This is the small business podcast that is sweeter than all the rest. Marketing, media, and cupcakes. Well, hello, I'm John, and along with me is my beautiful wife, Angel. Hi there. And uh, she is a customer service uh, expert, a pro, and she also does a baking cupcake business on the side. And I do a, a media production company called Ondo Media, and that's why we are marketing media and cupcakes. And I'm real excited today because we're going to talk about the one big thing that all of us have that we should be doing on our lives, and have we messed that up or not? So we're going to see. So with us today from Burbank, California, is my good friend, Phil Cook. Phil, how you doing? I'm doing great. Thrilled to be here. This is fun. Anytime you mention cupcakes, I'm in. Well, unfortunately, since you're in Burbank, we can't get you a cupcake right now, but we're going to run each other soon, so we'll we'll have to bring some with us. So Phil runs a a company called uh, Cook Media Group, and he has produced commercials that have been on the Super Bowl. He's actually, I think you've been like, what, in 80 different countries that you've shot documentaries and films and commercials? Yeah, yeah, almost 80. That's uh, that's a lot, and it's kind of crazy. bananas. But uh, Phil works with not only a lot of the same groups that I work with, not only just regular commercial business people, entrepreneurs, but also works with a lot of faith-based group. Faith, say that again fast. Faith-based groups, and uh, he consults, and he's just a good communications expert. And yes. so, um, so we're glad to have him on the show. I want to talk about uh, one of his, he's got several books, uh, one of which is the, the one big thing. Phil, what was a little bit of the, the idea with that book when you wrote that? Well, a big part of what we do, you mentioned, you know, we've produced stuff all over the world, but we also do a lot of consulting, particularly, you know, we've done Super Bowl commercials, we've done secular television, we've done all kinds of things, but we really focus on church, ministry, nonprofit organizations. We feel like at the end of the day, we want to help people make an impact in the world in a positive way. And, and along with consulting comes things like branding, things like marketing, things like understanding how to get their message out there. And after doing this for so long, one of the things we discovered pretty quick is the organizations that really get noticed out there are not the ones that are pretty okay at a lot of things. They're the ones that are extraordinary at one big thing. And I actually wrote a book called Unique, Telling Your Story in the Age of Brands and Social Media, that really tells that story about how organizations can break through the clutter of this you know, very, very competitive media age we live in and how to get noticed. And the more I thought about it, the more I realized, you know what, those principles pretty much apply to an individual person. And so I set out really exploring that and ended up with the book, One Big Thing, Discovering What You Were Born to Do. It's, it's funny. I, I find people that are in their 70s and 80s and will say to me, you know, I've had a job I'm, all my life or I've, I've worked, but I've never really felt that I knew what I was put on the earth to accomplish. And it's so amazing when people really get in that groove of what they feel like they were put here to do. And so that's ultimately the purpose of the book. I re- recently, I think a mutual friend of ours, Pastor Kyle Searcy, uh, was on a, a show we were working on, and he had an amazing statement, and he was talking about how when he goes through cemeteries, all he sees is just literally buried potential that never happened. So many people had dreams, and they never fulfilled them, and that's that's kind of like a, a theme here in, in the book a little bit to a degree, isn't it? Yeah, I, I you know, it's funny you say that, because I've been really focusing lately on finishing well. And I, I do, you, you meet so many people who get to the end of their life and really can't look back and say they've accomplished anything significant. And so I think everybody can. I think we can, whether it's with our family or in our, in our community, in our neighborhood, or in a bigger way with a company or a 
ministry or, or nonprofit organization. I think it's so important that we get to the end of our life and feel like uh, we were here for a reason and we accomplished that purpose. Yeah, Phil, I find it's funny because I used to say, and I still say when people say, when are you going to open your bakery? When are you going to do this? And I'm like, I am 51 years old and I still don't know what I want to be when I grow up. I never imagined this is what I would be doing. What I wanted to do from the time my parents brought home their very first food processor, which I know sounds strange, but it was the early 80s um, and they got a food processor and along with it came a bread book of how to make bread with a food processor. And that is where I fell in love with the kitchen. You wanted, I mean, and, and that was your dream. That's you, what you, I wanted to do. You wanted to have a bakery. but So why didn't you end up having a bakery? I... First of all, being in a very small town, it was not, you know, where were you going to go to school? My parents didn't have money. And then when I remember telling my aunt and uncle, I said, this is what I want to do because he was inquiring. And I said, well, I'd love to be a baker. And he went, you can't do that. And I'm like, well, why? Wh what do you mean? And he's like, well, you have to have this and that. And do you know how much chefs make? They don't make any money. You need to get, you know, you need to go to get a real job. You need a real job. You, you, you got to get a degree. You need a degree that makes money. Is like, because you need capital if you want to do anything like that. Do you have money? Do your parents have money? No, they don't. And it was, I just never forgot that conversation that was basically, no, you can't do this. And that's where the dream ended. It just, the reality of, you know, the only culinary school, I mean, this was the day before you know, right. um, internet. And you, you know, there was one I knew about, it was in Pittsburgh. There was no way I could go from yeah. a financial perspective. There was just no way. So, so the Phil, dream died. So Phil, how many times do you, do you hear this story like this with like angels where, you know, you, the dream was when you were young and, uh, and then the next thing you know, it's, uh, it's gone and, and you find yourself going back and thinking, why did I do that? Well, it's true. Very often, very often. There's, and I suffer from it too. You know, suddenly you wake up one day and realize what happened in the last 20 years and why did I not do, you know, there's a great thing. Uh, there's a, there's a great saying out there that tomorrow you wish you had started today. And mm -hmm. um, we do wake up, but here's the thing. And this is kind of a sidelight, but I wrote on my blog uh, just a, a week or so ago that the research is in creativity does not diminish with age. So, sure. Uh, it, the study after study after study has come in just recently indicating that uh, creativity not only does it diminish, it actually grows. In fact, one study indicated that when people hit retirement age at 65, culture really ought to move them into a more creative role because that's when they really start blossoming. And I agree. Mm -hmm. People that are uh, applying for patents, uh, the biggest group is after 55 years old. And so in, in, Area after area, there's no reason to believe that age should hold us back from anything. So whether you're, I mean, I've done a couple of blogs on that very fact. For instance, uh, Raymond Chandler was um, one of the greatest detective novelists in history, wrote The Big Sleep and a lot of other great novels. And he was an oil company executive, was a drunk. He was an alcoholic, uh, had a big fight with his, he cheated on his wife. And he and his wife decided to maybe take a drive up the West Coast, you know, PCH, the Pacific Coast Highway, try to put their marriage back together. And while driving up, and he's like almost 60, and um, he stopped at a service station, picked up a detective magazine, started flipping through it, and thought, you know, I think I could do this. And within two years, he had the probably what's considered the greatest detective story ever done. And book after book after book was made into movies, uh, just created a whole new career and is considered the dean of crime writers in the country today, all after 60, and so many other cases of people that really didn't get into their groove 
until late in life. And in my book, One Big Thing, I, I talk uh, quite a bit about a number of people who really got clicking as they got older. Please tell me that you talked about Colonel Sanders. Because that was one. Because that was <laughs> one classic story. Well, I mean, that one is one that we just watched recently on a documentary about you know the food that made America, and I was absolutely enthralled with learning about all the different people. And he was, of course, the one. That's the one you, I think you hear most often is how he didn't even start his business until after he was over fifty. I mean, he had you know done this and done that, and then he was selling chicken door to door for heaven's sake, you know. So it can be done. It can be done. It just. You got to have the right personality for it, I think. Yeah, and I think the big thing is to really spin. If I would say anything to your listeners, it would be encouraging them to figure out what is that one area of my life where I have the potential to be extraordinary. Um, just like I talked about with organizations, the people that break through, the pe- people that become successful, get their message out there, get heard, get on the radar of the culture, are people that aren't average at a lot of things, they are extraordinary at one big thing. I, so often I'll be teaching and speaking at workshops or classes or, or at conferences and people will come up to me and say, well, you know, Phil, I'm, I'm, I'm pretty good at a lot of stuff, but I can't tell you if I'm really good at anything. Mm. And I think I always use the, the, the example that out here in Hollywood, so many great filmmakers, whether it's Martin Scorsese or Steven Spielberg, people who are legends, often started doing a multitude of things, writing, directing, editing, running camera when they were young. But as they moved up the ladder, they started letting go of all those peripheral things and started focusing on one thing and being amazing at that one thing. And um, so I would encourage people, start really spending a little time thinking, um, and, and, and there's four, if you have time, I've got four questions in the book that we could run through real quick. Let's do that. People. We're talking with Phil Cook, who is an author, a filmmaker, and uh, just a great guy anyway, besides all those things. Uh, <laughs> in his one of his many books, The One Big Thing, and he's going to go through some questions with us here about things that help us figure out what our one big thing is. I like the great guy part. That's that's the best. Well, it's it's true. You know, you're very kind. And I'll say, and, and I'll expect that check soon. <laughs> Absolutely. Well, here in the book, one big thing: discovering what you were born to do. I, I I ask four simple questions, and the thing is, figuring out what that one big thing is for you is not mystical. It's not weird. It's not mysterious. It's actually incredibly simple. So simple that most people kind of think, oh, I could have figured that out, but they never do. And Mm -hmm. here's the four questions I like to ask people. Number one, what comes easy for you? You know, what growing up was always easy for you? It's funny, I've talked to professional athletes and they'll say, you know what? I was always the fastest kid on the block or I was always the guy that could catch the ball. No matter where they threw it, I could catch it. And they really learn to see I'm better than that. I'm better than anybody else at that. And um, I really could go nuts. And And I often tell people, if you can't figure it out, ask what other people think. You remember, go, go back to the prom committee. You remember in high school for the prom, when you were on the planning committee, you sat around a table and said, you know, Bob, you're good with numbers. Why don't, why don't you do the budget? Susan, you're great in front of people. Why don't you host it? Uh, Sam, you're really creative. Why don't you come up with a theme or a tagline or a promotional piece? Um, people, other people notice what we're naturally good at often before we even do. Yeah, so, that's true. Think, mm-hmm. You know, sometimes I think before the era of cell phones, the, the one big thing I was good for is keeping track of everybody at the mall. That was my job. <laughs> <laughs> that's fantastic. But, uh, but it is important that we think about what is that thing. And, and it's it's not what we're passionate about. Uh, you know, I, I've told many times I've wasted a huge part of my career because I was passionate about one thing, but I really wasn't wired to do that thing. 
And it wasn't until years later that I realized I finally hit a wall and discovered that, you know, what what I'm passionate about isn't what I'm really wired to do. But I'll tell you this, once you figure out what you're wired to do and start doing that, trust me, you'll become plenty passionate about it. So um, that's one. So number one is what comes easy. The second thing is what do you love? You know, what do you Mm. absolutely love? It sounds like Angel with you. It's not, you know, customer service. It's it's cupcakes. It's baking. Mm -hmm. It's being in the kitchen. Yep. And so... Find out what you love and because that's what's going to give you the energy when time get, gets tough. You know, when you're, as you know, John, when you're doing that all night long video editing session, if you don't love it, you're not going to have much energy and be, you know, not going to do a great job. Yeah, absolutely. So focus yep. on things you love. The third thing is, and this is really um, interesting to me, is what drives you crazy? What makes you nuts? It's... um Interesting that while most people think about what they like and what they want to do and what they feel comfortable doing, we rarely think about what drives us crazy. And I'll tell you why it's important. Um, Christine Kane would be a great example. She has a, a large ministry. She's a great speaker and a teacher. She also launched a global anti-slavery organization called A21. Mm-hmm. She didn't organize. She didn't found A21 because she had a passion to free slaves or she had this really desire to do it or she wanted to do it. She found, she actually t- told me one time that she was walking through an airport and she saw a sign about, you know, looking out for people that are being trafficked. And she said it so disgusted her, the idea that people would be trafficked like that. She hated it so much. She committed to launching an organization to stop it. So I find very, very often the most successful people aren't successful because they're doing something they love. They're doing something that that is against something they despise. And oh, it's, so it's, yeah. See, see, I see. I've seen a lot of people. I, one of the reasons we started our little podcast company. I shouldn't say it's little. It's going to be big. But I, I was like you, a big podcast listener, and I got annoyed with the really bad sounding podcast or the podcast that it took somebody to get six minutes into their topic, and I thought. Well, you know, I could fix that because this drives me crazy. And if we can get more people to do better with their podcast, this helps everybody. So it's I, I can identify with that. Perfect example. Perfect example. It's very often, you know, it, I think it was T.D. Jakes who says your your ministry is your misery. You know, very often <laughs> we're, we're called to do something we really hate, to fix something we really hate. So that's a good thing. And then the fourth question is, what do you want to leave behind? You know, uh, we've talked, we talk sometimes about what do you want to, carved on your tombstone. What do you want people to remember when they remember you? And I think if you can answer these four questions, what comes easy for you? Number two, what do you love? Number three, what drives you crazy? Number four, what do you want to leave behind? What do you want your legacy to be? If you can answer those, you start, you're really starting to get on the pathway toward figuring out what that one big thing is. Now, uh, let me say just something final. John Maxwell, the leadership expert, says Mm -hmm. something really interesting. He says, most people waste an enormous amount of time focusing on what they're terrible at. You know, uh, we, we think we should fix our weakness. I, and maybe I'm not good with numbers or maybe I'm not good with people. Uh, for me, it's balancing my checkbook. It's doing budgets. It's doing numbers, those yeah. kind of things. I'm not a detail person. It would be my now, golf game for me. Oh, gosh. <laughs> I, I, lived, I, I lived in fear. I lived in I had huge guilt for years that I could not. I mean, I'm a grown man. I should be able to balance my checkbook. <laughs> And I finally took a personality test and realized I'm the big picture guy. I'm not the detail guy. I'm not that guy that, that you know, worries over budgets. And so when I did, it released me. It made me realize, let me start focusing on what I'm really good at instead of trying to waste time. Because I'm never, trust me, if, 
if it's a scale of one to 10, when it comes to balancing a checkbook, I, I could spend the next five years studying it and I'm probably going to end up as a three or a four. But when it comes to writing or producing media programs, I can be a 10 at that. So let me focus on that. So I would, I would tell your listeners, you know, spend less time on what you're really weak at doing and start focusing more on what you're amazing at doing. What what's I find funny about that, Phil, in my full time job is that every year and I will be coming up on 27 years at the same place. I'm always given. Yeah, you're great. You're great. You're great. But here's the things you need to work on. It's never it's never been do this and keep doing those things. Do it's what always you're been. Well good at. Yeah. I mean, four years in a row, I think the biggest thing they told me is I needed to run spell check. I mean, I kid you not. And so that literally has now made me paralyzed to spell anything. Um, I used to, I mean, I never said I was a great speller, but literally now it's like, I I can't spell the word occurred without, you know, I mean, there's certain things, but that's, I find that so interesting because that's what they do in the, I call it the air quote standard work environment is they focus on your weaknesses. Yeah. Yeah. Your weakness and where can you improve? Not, you know, they always like to say, yeah, you did these things great, but let's focus on what you can improve upon. You're not doing a great trapeze act, so let's work on that next. And yeah, it has exactly, nothing yeah. really to do with your skill set. Yeah. And so I, you know, I find that very interesting what you just said that, you know, that's just corporate America. That's what they yeah. seem to focus on. They don't focus on the positive. Well, Phil, Phil, let me ask you this. And I, I you know, I'm a, I'm a, I'm a big Fox business fan. And as my wife knows, and, really, yeah, I, had, I yeah. hadn't heard. And they were talking recently about millennials and we always talk a lot about millennials oh, and poor millennials. Well, they're, they're bless their hearts. But here's the thing. They were talking about, you know, you and I and our kind of our mutual age group would always say, I want to build a business. I want to build a company and millennials now. And I wanted to get your thoughts on this, uh, Phil, is that millennials and the younger people, high school kids like our, our uh, Zach, our son, is wants to build a brand. Um, tell me a little bit about the fact of what's different about that and why, again, we think often like, you know, different sports stars and so forth build brands, but why can't those of us who are uh, getting the AARP cards in the mail, <laughs> why can't we build brands as well? Well, we can. Absolutely, we can. And, and keep in mind, the definition of a brand is really a story you know, it's, it's, it, there's a couple things that I focus on with branding. One is it's a, a promise you're making to your customers. Uh, you know what you're getting with FedEx. You know what you're getting with Nike. You know what you're getting with Starbucks. They're very good about building confidence, building your confidence in their brand. The other thing that people need to realize about branding is it's really a story that surrounds a product or a person or an organization. In other words, what do people think of when they think of you? It's one thing to be a plumber. It's another thing to be the plumber that everybody thinks of when they have, when their to- toilet breaks. Right. Um, gotcha. You want to establish that brand in people's mind. It's really to a great deal. It's about perception. How do I, you know, build my perception among people? Branding is not what I say it is. It's what they say it is. Mm. And so <laughs> you want to build that perception out there. So I think a big reason why younger people are really focused on that more than maybe older folks is they they grew up in social media. And yeah. social media is very individual. It's very individual. And, and you can build brands around being an influencer. You can build a YouTube channel. I mean, keep in mind that there's a 12-year-old kid out there that made $22 million just doing YouTube videos of opening toys. Yep. And so when you, if you can generate that kind of a following, you can, you can build a pretty powerful, uh, pretty powerful brand. So I think young people see that much more often than probably we did in the pre-social media age. And they see the possibilities for developing that in a much, much bigger way. 
That's great. Well, if uh, we've been talking about Phil's book, The One Big Thing, but Phil has several books, and I, I can't uh, more highly recommend them all. Uh, they're great, and you also have a, a, a podcast as well. So, Phil, give give everybody the rundown of all the different places we can find you and uh, listen to your stuff. <laughs> well, the, the the center of my life is my blog, philcook.com. I'm cook with an E, P-H-I-L-C-O-O-K-E.com. And from there, you can pretty go, much go everywhere. I do have a podcast on uh, iTunes, and also it's uh, uh, I have a YouTube channel with the same content on there. So uh, my books are all in my my. Um, you can get to my podcast, my books, uh, all those different things from my blog at philcook.com. Our company site is Cook Media Group. Again, Cook with an E, CookMediaGroup.com. But largely everything that I revolve around in my home base is my blog at philcook.com. And you will not find a man who loves books more than Phil because he... I don't think so. He's always has a book in his hand. <laughs> I always have a Pepsi in my hand, but Phil always has a book in his hand. Yeah. And he's, and he's good for it. Well, Phil, thank you so much for taking time out today to be with us. Will you come back here and talk with us uh, in a, a couple weeks? Absolutely. I'd be thrilled. If you want any more information on us, we are Marketing Media and Cupcakes. We're on Facebook and Instagram, as well as PremierPodcast.com is our podcast company. If you're interested in podcast information, look us up. And until then, keep living the dream. Connect with John and Angel via Facebook and Instagram and let us know your thoughts. Marketing Media and Cupcakes is a production of Ondo Media.